Hey everybody, uh, we're back for uh, episode uh, 306 of the Better Call Saul Insider Podcast. I don't make that mistake anymore, that Breaking Bad Insider. I probably will eventually. But uh, we're here for the uh, episode 306 Better Call Saul Podcast. I'm here with uh, my co-host Chris McCaleb. Hello. Chris, how's it going? Good, how you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. How's your week been? It's been hectic. Yeah, me too. It's yeah, been hectic over here. Definitely. You know, we're getting into, we're getting towards the end of Better Call Saul. It's good to have you back even just for the podcast. I love being here. I know you're off doing Narcos. That's true. That's cool. That's, That's true. Cool. I feel very proud that you're off doing your own thing on Narcos. Well, I'm doing glad. I'll, I'm, I'll try to keep making you proud. <laughs> Definitely. Um, uh, we're also here with uh, uh, the show creators, uh, Vince Gilligan and Peter Gould. Buongiorno. Hello. And uh, special guests, we're here with uh, uh, the writer of this episode, Ann Cherkis. Hi. And uh, we're here with, I think, a podcast virgin, probably, uh, Anna Ramey Borden. Oh. Did I say that right? You did, Okay, yes. great. Um, hey, Anna. Hello, <laughs> Anna. Hey, Anna. We're hey, so Anna. glad to have you here. Uh, Anna, you are uh, one of the two first ADs, first assistant directors that work in Albuquerque, correct? Uh, correct. Yeah. Two. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. But Anna's the firstiest first of all the firsts. <laughs> <laughs> and Nina Jack used to be a first, right? She was a first AD, yes. right? Yes, she was. Yes. Okay. And now she's running the joint, so <laughs> we got that to look forward to from you as well in the future. What, are you going to keep Nina out? Future. It'd be an honor. Oh. No, we're going to just make them fight to the death. I suspect we're all going to be working for Anna. Uh, and, yeah, it won't be, and it won't be terribly long. But Anna, just to ask, what? So when you, but you also worked on Breaking Bad, I believe. Is I that did. right? Yes. And what what was your what was your progression at Breaking Bad? How did what were what position did you have when I you started? I came on the same season Nina did, uh, season four, uh, with the lovely Adam Bernstein. I think he opened that season. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was second second assistant director then, and I did that through the end of the show so both seasons of both parts of five and then came on to better call Saul season one as the first ad what what are the what are the um tasks that the ad because the ad department pretty much runs this the production in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. right what are the what are the different ad's do like you say second second or a second ad or the first ad what are the different you know so this responsibilities the second second ad is generally traditionally i guess on set uh, so they are directly assisting the first AD. So they um, are helping communicate with the crew and uh, coordinate the various elements that have been set up by the second and first. Uh, the second AD is generally worrying about the next day. So they are setting up everything for tomorrow. Uh, they're w- working, setting up extras holding or giving actors their call times and all that. And then the first AD has two major roles which is prepping the episode so they are uh, they'll spend half of half they'll spend half the episode eight to ten days or so depending on um uh scheduling it breaking the script down scheduling it uh prepping all the departments to make sure they have all the right elements and and then working with closely with the director of each episode to design and make decisions and and communicate with the writer's room on everything that's happening and then once you start shooting to make sure the day goes uh, as planned and to schedule and just uh, working with the director to be as efficient and creative as possible so like when they come up to you and they say okay for this uh, uh, big thing that big scene that I want to do tomorrow I want uh, let me see if I can remember all the terms uh, a steady cam and uh, that techno crane that I hear about all the time, and a Russian and I want arm a big, on a helicopter. I want, I want the, a drone, and I want a big. Uh, what is the thing that you guys put sixty feet in the air? And the big, 
what do you guys call that thing when uh, you shoot like the condor yeah the condor oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. yeah i want all that and 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 so are you the one who says Okay, you can have two things out of that ten. No, fortunately, that's not me. That's generally uh, our line producer, uh, which was Robin Sweet for the last two seasons, and she's the one who makes it all work and says yes and no. So fortunately, I just get to go to Robin and say, this is what we'd like to do and how we think is the best way to accomplish it, which is such a pleasure because it's fun to figure that out. And then Robin gets the hammer to tell us what's possible and is an incredible asset in doing that. She's very helpful. But when Peter and I uh, throw ourselves on the ground and scream and cry, who has to? Who's the first line of defense who has to deal with it? That's you, right? Yes, generally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wait, wait. Is that in prep or is that in production? Oh, anytime. Uh, Any and everything. Yeah, we, we do. We, we do. We do. There's a lot of crying. There's a lot of crying. And Anna, Anna, you know, it, it's it's we're joking, but you know, when one of the great things about this show for me has been to get to direct and get to be in Albuquerque, not because. Uh, not because of my great, great directing chops, but because I get to work with everyone, and there's no one you work as closely with as, as the um, when you're directing as the assistant director. It's true. And you're one of the things, uh, and because I know you're going to be too modest to say any of this, is that a lot of the uh, inexperience that we have as directors is, has to be compensated for by the assistant director. So you, you know, Anna is great at looking around corners and figuring out pitfalls. And also, she makes uh, a very intelligent study of us and our working methods because she has to figure out how long is this scene gonna take to shoot? What's realistic? Uh, And, because I have no idea, and people, and Anna will often, in prep, she'll pin me down, do you think you can do this an hour? Two hours, and I'll. I'll I, you say I'm an artist. <laughs> <laughs> Can any of you guys do know. anything in one I, hour? I, I don't know. Really? I don't know. My, my baby arms. My baby arms won't reach any further. No. So, and, and she'll have to figure out what what. And she'll say, "Well, is it two setups? Is it three setups?" Don't and try to pin my artistry down. <laughs> but the and we're joking because. But the part of it I'm is not. the. the, the the better you yes, are as a director, and I'm not saying I'm good at it, but the, but the one of the things you're, that everyone looks for is decisions as early as possible. Yeah. And and you know if in in in, in uh, Kelly's example, if you're asking for a techno crane the day before you're going to shoot something, it's probably too late yeah. because the techno crane may very well be somewhere else, or it may need what the piece of equipment you want. If we're in Albuquerque, you may need to get driven. Uh, and so Anna Anna is the one Anna is one of the the main person who has to figure out what it's going to require to shoot the scene. And if she sees, if she sees you walking around the set and kind of like asking for a tall ladder, she might think to herself, and she might try to pin you down at that point about what you're going to need to get the camera up where you want it to be. Yeah. And, and all joking aside, nothing happens on the set without the first AD knowing about it. And the first AD just makes it all run right. And you can, there are, if you don't have a good first AD, you're you're dead in the water. You're screwed. Oh, and, so and we are so lucky to have Anna because she's the best. Now, she, who's, who's, the other, the best. who's the other first AD? The other best first them. AD that we have okay. is Rich. We've had a couple, though, over the, yeah. over the season. And that's oh, Rich. Right, the last two, yeah. yeah. And Rich. Rich Sickler. Rich Sickler. Who's a great guy, although I have not had the pleasure yet of working with him. I, I, I like to work with him. Yeah, but he's excellent. Yeah. He's very good at his job, too. Okay, yeah. so who's the person... Who, when you get the script and you tell them it's unshootable in eight days, is that your job too? 
Partially. You weigh yeah, in on it. That I weigh sure. in on it. Yeah. yeah. So I'll, I'll do the breakdown and, and assess really how we can accomplish it and whether that's possible in the time allotted. And then yes. so because I know my cousin was a was an AD. She was she got all the way up to first AD. Um, this was I think she probably retired sometime in the mid 90s or something. Um, and she went through the uh, the DGA trainee program. Mm-hmm. So she was a trainee for the 400 days and then a second second probably in a second and then she was a first she worked on star trek next generation i'll just give her a plug (laughs) she worked on a lot of stuff um so i kind of know a little bit about that whole thing but i'm curious like i mean i've been you know doing my job for several years and i was an assistant editor for several years so i sort of know what's required in production but it baffles me how you learn how to what at the, to get it to the level that you're at like how do you i know how to how you learn how to schedule but how do you actually learn how this will take more than eight days i mean what are the steps and and how much of how much mentoring do you actually get well i think the the dga has set up a really good system where we be, because of that system the second second ad the second and the first it, it really sets you up uh, to succeed, to if you are able to stand back and work under great ADs, which I had the honor of doing, including Nina Jack, you can watch them and really learn how and look at their schedules and really learn how they broke that all down just by watching. But really, when when you get thrown into it, it's really it's uh, part intuition and part really studying the people that you're working with, from the DP to the crew to the director, because it changes every single episode is different, and how long it takes to shoot a single scene can change for a million different reasons yeah. every single time. So um, it's a lot of intuition. It's a little bit of guesswork. And uh, you have you know basic things you can follow, like page count, uh, the number of cast members in the scene, uh, whether they're all sat at a table or whether they're walking down a street. Of course, all those things have effect. If it's night lighting or day lighting, if you're interior, exterior, all those things obviously weigh in and you just sort of learn as you go, you know, as a second second watching the set run, kind of how those weigh in. But a lot of it's just sort of, I find is intuition mm-hmm. and uh, personal judgment at some point. Do you, it does change. Do you um, re- like break down or, you know, when you're doing a script breakdown or a scene breakdown and you're looking at, you know, wh- well, let's say, let's put it this way. I guess the director would be in prep at that point and they would probably say, well, I would like to do this where I've got, you know, let's say two guys in a car um, and, and they're driving in a car um, because that's, that's a big that's a big scene, actually, to put two guys in a car and driving around because, A, you have to figure out, well, are they going to drive themselves or are they going to be trailered? Mm-hmm. Um, B, are you going to put cameras in the back seat where we don't have to move around or are you going to put you know mounts on the car? Things like that. So that, I'm assuming you guys, directors, um, that's what you kind of decide in, direct, in directing, I mean, uh, in prep. And then Anna, so you sort of, I would think, make some of your assessments on how long this is going to take, how much equipment is required at that point. And, and so if I'm on the right track with that, let me ask you this. At what point do you tell, like, a writer, you need to change your scene to not have them driving because we can't shoot that? How about if we have them walk down the street or something like that? Uh, you know, is that is that part of your job? Uh, it is, I think, in a in a broader sense. On this show, you know, every scene is so thought about and worked so hard in the writers' room that that's not really. I don't think that we really bro- broach that very mm-hmm. often on uh, Better Call Saul because it is every where everything takes place is decided for a very good reason that's valuable that we want to try to okay. um, protect. So I think we definitely hit that, and really, I. I 
for me, I, I really pounce on the, the phrase assistant director. So I work with the director and ultimately it's the director's, I think, call whether to change that scene or to add if it's in a car and we want to do it on a trailer and take extra time, then we say, then it's the director's call to say, uh, I want to make take add time to this scene, and then I, we'll we'll find a way to sort of make this this other scene simpler time. Oh, and I take see. less time. Um, so that it's definitely a conversation, and definitely bringing in produ- our producers to have that conversation, and the writers' room in case in, as we run into issues. And then one other thing along those same lines is all this is very interesting to me anyway. Who sort of weighs in when you're trying to schedule this to tell the writer that the show is going to time out too long and you need to pull scenes back we well i'm sorry i, I should let anna keep answering this I, I, it's funny we were talking a couple of podcasts ago and i wanted to ask you about this anna we were talking a couple of couple of them ago here about peter you broached the subject of this series in particular is harder than maybe any we've ever worked on before about knowing whether something's overly long or not this Mm -hmm. one's a hard one to pin down and i was wondering ann if you had that experience as well breaking down these episodes before they were shot Uh, i mean it's not your job per se it's not the first ad's job per se to do a script timing that's the that's the purview of the uh the uh the script supervisor and very often our script supervisor helen as as are all our good folks who work on the show don't have a lot of spare time because they're working so hard on the show so there's not a lot of spare time these days probably for Helen to do a script timing but even then I mean we were talking about that a couple of podcasts ago Peter this mm-hmm. this show inexplicably <laughs> is very hard to figure out the timing on yeah it's been leaning more towards being I will say long rather than short but especially season one we had a, we had a few episodes that were uh, way shorter than we expected yeah. Bunch of them, yeah. Well, I remember we were talking about that in the writer's room and I remember which was interesting for me to hear um, that scenes for instance with Bob in them he speaks very quickly yeah. whereas other actors you know speak speak more slowly and so it some of it depends on I think who is in the scene yeah that's a good point also the character too yeah I mean Jimmy McGill is a fast talking dude as is Saul Goodman but Walter White, deliberate. Mike, very deliberate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. I remember that in seasons one and two. There were, there were things that were just way shorter than we expected. But then it sounds like this season, you know. Well, also, this season is seeing more of an introduction yeah. of the kind of darker, maybe more methodical element of point. the universe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as a consequence, it's probably just changing the pace in a way that is really, really hard to anticipate. That's a good point. Have you, have you f- uh, found that to be, has it, has it caused any, uh, I mean, has you, what's your opinion on that, Anna, in the sense of it, it, has some of these episodes turned out a different length than you thought they would be, or, or, or have things seemed different than you presupposed them to be, or? Uh, I don't, I don't think I've, uh, I've felt that. No, I feel yeah. like I, I've, I don't have an opinion, I think. I think I don't have an opinion. That's cool. What's interesting is when I break it down, what I see like is the, the montages, and there's a lot of montages in particular this season, which often take a lot of time to shoot, but also they take more screen time than are sometimes allotted to them on the page, Yes. Um, which I think definitely is fun to see how those break down for all, 
all the seasons that we've done those montages and how much time oh, you yeah. guys actually allot them. What did, the what did Stu Lyons always say? Montage was uh, the French word for over budget. For money. <laughs> <laughs> money. You know, you know uh, just, just Kelly, going back to one of your earlier questions, I, it, Anna's not the one who puts the hammer down on the director, but she does use, and I'm, I'm, again, I'm talking about you in front of you, she uses a Socratic method, which is that she'll, she'll say, okay, I want, to, I want to look at day three here. And she'll say, you start off in this scene, and this is this conversation with me. I don't know how she works with other directors. She'll say, there's this scene. I'll go, oh, God, that's a huge scene. Oh, that's, that's a big one. They're going to have a lot of setups there. And it's it's um, we need rehearsal too. It's and and also I want to do a crane. And then she's, okay. And then we also have because we have to be at the same location. We also have this scene. And I say, oh my god, that's even huger. There are more characters. They're all talking. And and I and I want a, a techno crane. And also and it's, and and Anna will say, well, would you think the first scene would be? Uh, two hours. Oh no, that's like six hours. And then what about the second scene? That's like twelve hours. And then, and she, well, that's that's. Uh, you've, and then what about the third scene? Uh, and so eventually, she she basically uh, the way she works with me. And again, I'm, she's the there's the direct the assistant director has to be the director whisperer in some ways. Then you you take a look at it and you say, well, wait a minute, maybe. All right, looking at this scene, maybe I don't need the techno for that. Or maybe there's a maybe there's a simple if I can take the time on the scene that I think is really key, what I really want, I really need X, Y, and Z for that. Maybe I can economize on the other two scenes for that day. Uh, and the other the other thing that she does that's so incredibly useless, she has a sense of how the day is going to go. And when I've worked, I've worked with other ads. Uh, way in the past, not on Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul. And my experience of directing was completely different because what I found was every day before lunch, I'd blown through my entire day. I mean, like before lunch, the day was lost. The day was lost. So in the morning, I would get a little bit of what I wanted. And then the afternoon, it was all about let's combine everything that we had in mind to do today into one big shot or to, oh, I can get, a, I can get along with just the basics. And so, you know, and it was it was it's always you always walked away feeling like you hadn't really gotten what you what you hoped for and with a with a great ad like anna she helps she paces the day she helps to figure out so you don't end up spending the rest of your life on the first scene up uh, you've talked through how long, and I, I will go to her, and I'm very aware of time on the set. I will go to her and say, "How are we doing?" And if Anna says, "Oh, we're doing fine," then I don't worry about it until ten minutes later. What, is that, what do those exact words out of her mouth sound like? Can you do that now? I've never actually heard that. We're doing fine. <laughs> <laughs> I dreamed about she, it. She tailors it to the director. Okay. You have to understand that. We're fucked. No, actually, no, I'm sorry. That's me. That's I'm the person who says that. No, Anna's very calm, cool, and collected. Game over, man. Game over, man. Oh, well, rest in peace. Yeah, rest in peace to Bill Paxton. Yes. Well, he died way too young. That's the truth. I, I would have loved to have met him. He was very good. He's great. So I'm going to keep going with Anna just because we don't really get. I don't think we've ever had a first AD come in and do it, if you don't mind, indulge me a little bit. I don't. Um, I'm curious, did you go to film school? I did. You yeah. did. So do you want to say where? You don't have to. Sure. I went, it doesn't exist anymore. It's okay. very sad. It's, really? a, it's a tiny little college in, the, in Santa Fe, New Mexico, called the College of Santa Fe, oh. which uh, was full of a bunch of potheads and a bunch of kids like me who just wanted to get my hands on a camera and, and make things. So, which was great. It was tiny uh, and uh, gave you the opportunity to, to do anything. And I ended up sort of slipping 
while creating my own stuff and ADing pretty so early there. So are you there. from New Mexico? I'm not. Oh, just, okay. The joke, I don't know if you guys have said <coughs> The joke about New Mexico is it's called the land of entrapment. Because yeah. the state motto is land of enchantment. And yeah. I feel that deeply. Mm. <laughs> Why did keep the school going back. close down? Did they run out of pot? There was horrible... <laughs> <laughs> There was terrible, uh, uh, they, they stole money, there was like a, oh, what's the word for it? They, embezzlement? The, yeah, there was, there was some Malfeasance? bad money going around, and then they got bought by another company, and now they're closing again, so I don't oh, know. I'm sorry. Sad. It sounds like they, 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 they gave us you, so they, they, <laughs> I mean, did, sir, did you learn a lot there? Did, was it a I did. You know, it, was really, it really was a great place where if you wanted to do something, you, there was incredible mm-hmm. resources to do that, wonderful nice. teachers and wonderful equipment and all that. It was a great nice. learning. A good amount of our crew, or not a good amount, but a small chunk are from there, which oh, is cool. Really? Which is what, what, cool. Did, what happened to these instructors? Are they folks who work in the business as well? They, they are. We've actually, I'm trying to think. I think we might have had one of the teachers on as a as a day player at some point, oh, yeah. and then others have flown, gone other places, gone to Oklahoma, I think, and uh, out to LA and things like that. So they oh. they're still around. Okay, good. Great. Well, yeah. the reason that I asked that is because um, I'm curious because you know the the whole um, sort of team of assistant directors is not one that's known a lot about you know with people who don't work in film or mm-hmm. didn't go to film school yeah. and stuff like that and we have a lot of different listeners and i'm sure some of them are you know curious about um uh, the process and so the reason i'm asking is because you know it's you know when we have a dp on or we have an editor on or we have a director on um so i'm curious and you did go to film school i'm curious how you decided to go the ad route route uh I think I sort of fell into it, and it sort of, I think, speaks well to a lot of my skill sets. So uh, I, um, I, uh, I started PAing right out of college pretty much, and then just met a whole bunch of people who uh, championed me and uh, took me along with them and just kept working and so climbed my, climbed my way up. But I really love, uh, what I love about it that attracted me to it is working so closely and being an important part of getting things made, um, you know, really, uh, I have pride when I've watched some when I watch something that I've ad'd because I know that I w- that I helped. You, <laughs> you I did like more. That. You did way more than help. I like oh, being yeah. integral. a part. You should be, have pride, and you're going to make a you make you're already producing and directing as well, and you'll be doing that uh, professionally very very soon. I mean, you're already doing it. Prof- I mean, you'll be doing it. You'll be making a living. That's what yeah, I mean. Yeah, that would be good. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's a little different. And, uh, yeah. and uh, I, I, we foresee great things ahead. We do. Peter and I, for sure. So yeah. do you have a project that you're doing on your own right now? Is, since Vince is, like, being so cryptic about it. Uh, I, yeah, I do. I am. I'm actually, I just uh, co-directed something with Ray Seahorn, who plays Oh, Ken. wow. Okay. So we just made a little short, and we're going to do another one at the end of the month. Just keep Good for you. Awesome. knocking Another those one. out. Yeah, and then uh, f- that one of that scene that we're going to do at the end of the month is part of a feature that I'm hoping to get off the ground. Nice. Yeah. So what do you say to folks listening who want to do this for a living? What What do you What do you do to make your dreams come true? Sounds like uh, they should li- they should take a page from what you've been doing. Yeah, I think I think the key for this business is you, you got to climb. Like it, it really, if you start at the top, you you miss so much, and you you. You need to start, you know, bottom to middle bottom and climb up because the harder you work and the more you see and the more you experience, the better you're going to be when you get there. Don't try to because, skip the climb. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so valuable. And it's, it's actually, you know, it's a fun period when there's a period when you're a PA that you work your ass off for 
you know, 14 to 19 to 26 hours. Mm -hmm. And uh, of that, you get to see, you get to meet all kinds of people and you don't, you get, you go home, you don't have the pressure. There's nothing. You just, you go home and you're done. And then you get to come back the next day and see all those cool things happen and have lots of stories and meet lots of cool people and go a lot of cool places without the stress. You don't get paid very well, but you get to do a lot of cool things. And and then you get further up and you get more responsibility and that Mm -hmm. has its perks and its negatives. That's so so. true. And it's, uh, we live in a, in a culture of, I mean, it's just it's sort of the 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 the, uh, the American way now, just to <laughs> not to get whatever. But I mean, it's uh, you know, instant gratification. It's yeah. just it's what we all are trained through our consumption of the media or whatever to 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 pine for. And it's 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 what's that great old uh, line? It's not the it's not the destination. It's the journey. Sometimes, mm-hmm. except that everybody tends to lot not everybody but a lot of people tend to forget that now oh i gotta get right to the top i gotta you know well maybe you're not ready to be directing a you know 150 million dollar movie you know at right out of film school or whatever but uh yeah it's i i think that's good advice you're giving thanks cool <laughs> and, and, and and anna worked with both of us this season that's uh, right she, that. she ad awesome. uh both the first the first two episodes right. that vince you directed it was sort of a really a feature film in my book the two mm-hmm. the two of them put together anna and i've worked together twice now mm-hmm. um is it just twice? Wait, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, uh, season yeah. two you had Brett. Se- yeah, see, oh, that's yeah. right. That's right. We did we did uh, the the uh, season ender, a season season one, mm-hmm. which was so much fun. And now we just did the season ender of season three, which was uh, a different kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Brett was fun. I love Brett. Oh, absolutely, certain shit has come to light, people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he had a different style. Not not. Better or worse, no, no, no. He was no, no. He just, yes. but uh, I loved all the yeah. Lebowski quotes. You, you seemed very at ease with yourself. You just, you have a, an expertise that's very. You seem very relaxed, and it's actually very nice to work with because it, it made, gave you. me a great sense, a great sense of confidence, especially on the last one that we, you know. The, well, that's good I, to hear. I'd hope from from my first time directing or assistant directing to the end. So this episode was directed by Keith Gordon. Yay, Keith Gordon. Hey, Keith. He's a big, big, big TV director. I mean, he he directs a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. But he's also a really big... I mean, he's been in the business forever. Mm -hmm. He did a great job on this one, I can tell you that. He's been an actor forever. Mm -hmm. You've probably seen him. Mm -hmm. Um, Definitely, when I was working with him, I had the best time. I absolutely loved working with him. As did I. Tell tell them what they've seen him in. That's what I'm trying to think. Well, he was, well, yeah, it's well, been he, so the most, long. The one I remember is Dress to, the Brian De Palma movie, Dress to Kill. Well, he also starred in yes. Christine, Christine. Again, the one with the killer car. And, and He's got a part in Jaws 2. That's right. He was in All That Jazz. He was. He played young Bob Fosse, young Roy Scheider in All That Jazz. All that, right? Yeah, and I mean, he's... And what I know him for best, he was uh, Rodney Dangerfield's son in Back to School. Back to School. <laughs> was, whose the best friend Indy. was... Uh, yeah, the he Triple in, Indy. That's he was right, in yeah. The Legend of Billie Jean... You know, it's like he—he's. Yeah. It's really funny because, you know, when I was younger and and watching these all these you know movies and things on TV or you know in, in the movies I guess and or the reruns on TV or something, I I always remembered him and I always like kind of for some reason followed his name. I always knew the Keith Gordon. So when I started to see him as a director yeah. in the last probably 10, 15 years, I was like, wow, I wonder if that's the same guy. And it is the same guy. And um, actually having him in the room was just 
so much fun because he is one of the best storytellers as well. He'll oh, tell yeah. you about all. He'll tell you about working on Jaws two and you know what that whole. He said he was only supposed to be there for a certain number of weeks and it ended up being like eighteen months or something wow. like that. And it was super super fun to work with him. But he is. A newbie to Better Call Saul. You guys took a chance on Keith Gordon. It wasn't that big a chance. Well, yeah, 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 because he's so <laughs> he such a of, such of a body of work yeah. under his belt. And, yeah. You know, there's a movie he made. It was, I think, his first feature uh, that I, I've always admired. And I think it's just such a, yeah. it's, uh, the, uh, ch- the chocolate the chocolate war, war yeah. which is it's just a remarkable. I was thinking, well, yeah. Remarkable, it's, mm-hmm. and it's done with really no money at all. I believe it was done very, very low budget, but it's 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 really, and any and of you listening, um, I, I advise you to go out and rent The Chocolate War. It's a really it's a really fine movie and some wonderful performances and also just very well, well laid out visually, too. So he, he right from the beginning, he, he really had uh, a, a vision and all the things that you need to, to, to be an excellent director. And here I here I am. I thought you were going to say a midnight clear because that was his, that was him too. That was his second. That was his second. I hate to say it. I have not seen the chocolate. This, war. That I, was his I, second movie, a midnight clear. What, what's the chocolate war about? Uh, chocolate war is about a Catholic school where there's a contest uh, for selling uh, for selling chocolate, oh, and okay. it's based on a, it's based on a very well regarded uh, young adult book. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I believe that's right, and it's um, it's, it's just really and it's a um, Keith. I mean, obviously he was. Uh, I have not talked to him about it, but it's a movie I've always been aware of because, uh, as an ambition, having ambitions to direct myself, I was so impressed with uh, how he put the movie together. Oh, and wow. the, obviously, um, nobody's going to give you a huge huge budget for your first indie movie, and it, it, he just did a great job. So I, I was, I was, I think we were all really excited to work with him. Yeah. And he brings, by the way, you know, you would think, you know, when you talk about somebody with a resume as long as your arm like him, you would think that you, you, your preconception might be that this person is is jaded or knows it all, and nothing could be, this is a guy who, and Anne worked with more closely with him than any of us. Very he is somebody with, with such enthusiasm mm-hmm. and, and uh, and energy for the project, and it was really wonderful yeah, to see. Yeah, I mean, for me, being on the set with him, he was so collaborative. I mean, he he said, you know, out loud, like, I need you here, I need you, because, you know, you're the one in the writer's room, and I'm not there, and I need you to, you know, to help me do this. And just hearing that, first of all, is, fantastic um and he but he he really meant it i mean we we talked about i mean every scene and within the scene and you know questions that he had or things that came up and decisions that had to be made he made me a part of all of it nice and i learned so much from him Nice. And I was incredibly grateful. And plus, he's just a, night, a great, fun guy to be around. He has this tremendous ability to, uh, you know, when if, if something is happening, you know, something stressful, he's incredibly calm. And he's one of those people that becomes even calmer when, mm. when you know, oh, wow. the chaos a good skill. is. It is. A, it yeah, is. And it. Uh, I don't know. I think that's something you're born with because yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, uh, maybe. And this is, I think this is the episode where I realized that this, especially the back half of this season, was going to be a little bit different for us because mm-hmm. we generally, I remember famously something, Vince, you said, very first season of Breaking Bad, and you may not remember it, but you said something to the effect of, I don't do B story. 
I, I, I think that you, it, 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 to the extent, I, I don't think it meant that you d dislike the idea of B story. This is how I interpreted it at the mm -hmm. time. But just that, that, that wasn't your, you tended to, we tended to follow one, one through line uh, for an episode or one main line, and we weren't thinking in terms, it, it, you talking about A and B story is not something we've ever done in the, in the room. Did I literally say that? I, I, I remember it. Sounds, it, sounds like a real it, asshole it, pronouncement. It, it, <laughs> no, I think it was, it was, it was more in, a, in the sense of a confession. Like I, I, I don't do really thinking. Uh, I don't really do B story. I, no, I, I actually now that you say that, I think I am re recalling that it's it. I, it was not for lack of interest in it because sometimes a B story can can save your bacon a little bit. Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, you're right. It uh, for for good or bad, and I'd like to think it was for good. Yeah, you, no, I remember exactly what you're talking about because in the early days of Breaking Bad, we didn't know what a Breaking Bad episode looked like exactly. I mean, we had the first one as a prototype but we didn't want them all to look that way and yeah but we, it, it's an interesting thing because we are learning all of us are learning in a sense to do b story now on the new show on better call saul because on breaking bad we had a wonderful cast on that show and and every single one of them uh gave an additive uh, value to the show but every everything pretty much with a few exceptions here and there everything flowed through one character, Walter White, the, all storytelling sprung, even if it was a sequence where he wasn't in the scene, pretty much he was the, he was the prime driver. He was the engine, the dramatic engine that drove every other decision, every other consequence throughout the whole life of the series. And on, on in this show, it's kind of a two-hander from the start uh, in that we've got Jimmy McGill, we've also got Mike Ehrman Trout, so we do, I guess, do B stories now. It, it, and and this kind of. season, this season, this episode anyway, uh, as Ann points out, we have a lot of characters, and there's a lot of lines that we're following. It's even more. It's not even yeah. A and B. It's A B C. The reason I don't like, I'll say why I don't like saying A and B, is because it makes it sound like one's less important mm -hmm. than the other, mm -hmm. and I don't, I don't, I think. Depending on the episode, what we might call the B story might be the main story. I don't know. It's yeah, just, no, it's, that's true. You know, for instance, it we had a, pejorative. So we have episode four where Jimmy doesn't even appear until yeah. past the midway point of the episode. That's but true. so it's. I think we're, but this this episode and boy, you and Keith really had, really had your job cut out for you because you have. I mean, not just Jimmy and Mike, but you have. You have a you have scenes driven by Nacho. You have mm -hmm. you know have Gus. You have and of course the wonderful Lydia, Lydia Laura Frazier. It's just just we have we that have was exciting. A lot that was awesome yes. seeing her. Oh, yeah. oh boy, how great was that? Did she have fun? Uh, was that? Uh, had you worked with her, Anna? Uh, yeah, yeah, I worked with her on Breaking Bad. Of course you did. Yeah. I mean, on a specific episode, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did she, was she happy to be back? Was she, she, she was so ecstatic. happy. Yeah, she was great. And, you know, she was only there for this very short scene, and she has, what, she had two lines, something like that. Yeah. She, f she, she flew here from Scotland. From Scotland? And, from Scotland. And from actually Glasgow? we had to we do lost. our one little scene. Oh my goodness. And she was uh, so oh, excited to be her. there. Yeah. We lost a location like two days before we started shooting or something. We had to make a dramatic shift in the schedule. So we, I think we called her and four hours later she got on a plane. Oh, oh wow. wow. She was. Wow. Was so and she was an amazing sport. For oh, it yeah. was amazing. She was oh, yeah. She was lovely and so excited to be do. To did be she there. get to spend the night at least Albuquerque? Or did she get right <laughs> yes. back on I a think, plane? I think she did, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
God bless her. She's a sweetheart. Did And that was an uh, interesting uh, choice uh, not to have her, in, which I think was the, the exact right choice, not to have her in the sunglasses. Was there a discussion about that? Yeah, we. I think we wanted to see her eyes there. Of course, well, I think we which I think was exact right Yeah, call. because yeah. it's that great reveal when yeah. when Gus gets into the car and then you see her, and we want to make sure that you know this. We know it's her. I think sure. the, the other part of it is I think that sunglasses came from her uh, to me anyway. Came from her wanting to hide her identity right. to mm. kind of be anonymous. Right. And this is this is an earlier earlier Lydia. She's she's mm-hmm. I think a little bit more confident. We knew her on Breaking Bad only after everything had melted down. Down after Gus had died, and right. and she really felt like her the target the target the target was on her painted on her back, and now I think she's this is about how now we're seeing how she got into it, yeah, or at least in this scene we can guess. Yeah, Why don't we start at the at the beginning um, and talk about uh, the scene where uh, he's counting money. Um, this is not the first time that we've seen this. We we started with Tuco. Um, doing the same thing, and now that Tuco's in jail, mm-hmm. I love um, this teaser. By the way, it's its own little mini movie. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so we've seen it before with Tuco uh, collecting the money. Yeah, and now now Nacho has to fill in, collecting this money, and he's you know being you know um, sort of observed by by uh, Hector. It's really hard for me to call him Hector. You'd rather say Tio? Uncle Tio. Uncle Tio. Go ahead, John. They know who you're talking about. <laughs> Even though it's Uncle Uncle, I know, I know. He's, I don't know. I know why, because he's just such a sweetheart that it just it, it seems avuncular. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, and, and I know this isn't the first time we've seen it, but I'm always happy to see my buddy Max Arseniega mm-hmm. um, as Crazy 8 um, in his Tampico furniture shirt. Just, <laughs> just a really nice uh, reach up around into the future. Sort of. Yeah, right. As Tom said. Yeah. <laughs> it was Gordon. It was Gordon. It was Gordon. It was Gordon. Yeah. It was Gordon. Oh, God, it's rubbing as, off on. As Gordon <laughs> said in the last podcast. Yeah. It was a Schnauz-esque comment. Yeah. It was. But, uh, but um, you know, Nacho is, you know, basically being, uh, you know, he. it seems like you guys are setting up that he and Crazy Eight are buddies. And um, or I guess Domingo is that his name? Domingo. He's Domingo Yes, now, he's right? not Domingo Crazy is, Eight yet. Is, uh, mm-hmm. he, they're buddies and... And he um, he's hoping to get a little bit of a pass because he uh, didn't quite make enough money this time, and uh, and and Uncle Tio is like, who works for who, huh? And uh, and Nacho has to go beat his buddy up all in three the kitchen. Of these guys, I yeah. love all three of these guys in the scene. I got to tell you, Michael Mando, uh, the all the emotions that flicker across his face. Uh, in this scene, it's just uh, he does a wonderful job. It's it's a and it's it's kind of hard. You were saying earlier, Peter, about there's actually not that much violence on this show, uh, and uh, uh, there wasn't even as much as as people seem to recall. There there was on Breaking. People mm-hmm. seem to remember more violence than was actually on mm-hmm. Breaking Bad. And there's even you were saying there's even less on this series. But when it comes, it somehow seems more violent. You don't even see the beating that gets uh, that gets administered here, but you hear it, and just the thought of it makes me cringe. And when I'm watching it, I, it, was, it seems like a more violent scene than 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 is actually uh, represented. Yeah, it's 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 funny how um, sometimes you really do want to show show it all, uh, but then sometimes leaving a little bit to the imagination makes it makes it that much worse. Uh, I just, boy, I, I hope, I hope, uh, I guess, I guess we know for a fact that uh, Domingo, since we see him later, is crazy. We know for a fact that he hasn't been, uh, he wasn't killed back there. 
But no. boy, that, that sounded like right. a nasty beating. And, and also uh, what's great about the way you guys... That's what turned him. Yeah. Well, well or... Maybe. Yeah, but that's <laughs> what I always like to think, though, of course, we never stated, is that, you know, maybe this is that that beginning of his of his turn. Well, of yeah, course, he maybe. was uh, he was working for the Salamanca family. That is true. Selling he, drugs. he is a drug dealer. And, you know, yeah. this, uh, one thing we have to keep in mind is that, that there are a lot of risks associated with drug dealing. And, yes. And sitting, as, as Nacho is sitting in the Tuco seat, there's some real downsides to that. And, of course, he's not a blood relative of Hector's. Well, so Hector's, Hector's watching over him. I, I, I don't know. I get the impression that, that, uh, that, uh, that Nacho's kind of on probation there. And he's got to prove himself still. Got to prove mm-hmm. himself. Mm-hmm. Right yeah. after that, he stopped by and got a new little Rottweiler puppy. <laughs> that could oh, be. crazy eight. That yeah. could be. Yeah, that maybe. could be. Right after that so, beating. So is it written that way, by the way, that you don't see the beating, or is that? Yes, that okay. it was scripted. That way. that was a decision that was made in the room. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. beautifully shot by. Uh, Keith. Well, he yes. kind of gets him. He, he kind of gets a couple punches in in the beginning. Mm-hmm. He knocks him on the floor. You don't see much though, and but I but I love the way you guys did it, and I love I love the way Keith did it. I love the way it was. Uh, no, when he brings him in the doorway. Yes, and he punches him. Does he? Well, not actually, outside. so that was not scripted, or and then it? on the day. Yeah, we decided that he would. Well, he sort of throws him on the floor. Well, he's rough with him, but I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't remember him actually punching him uh, outside because. Uh, but you know what? Uh, be that as it may, it's uh, as I say. It, I think it seems more violent than mm-hmm. uh, what is actually physically portrayed. But I, I think what's great about the way you guys do it is that uh, then uh, you keep uh, uh, Tio Hector in the foreground the whole time, and he just. Just could not care less. He should I mean, be petting a cat. He's unfazed. He's just reading Dear Abby, you know, in the, in the newspaper. <laughs> drinking, <laughs> drinking coffee. Yeah. Doing doing the, the jumbles or whatever. <laughs> reading, reading the bridge column, whatever. <laughs> well, this guy's getting his ass mm-hmm. kicked. Mm-hmm. Well, I hate to do this, but we're already 45 minutes in. And That's we got true. A big, you know, just like Peter said, a big episode to cover. So true. we should kind of get Speed to Speed round. We, I think we need an AD for the podcast. Yeah. Oh. Keep us crack, oh, cracking the whip. Failing. <laughs> you're not the you're the guest. You're the, you know this is not your job. This is lightning round. Let's do the lightning so round. So you guys are, you guys have uh, decided to sort of uh, wrap up your courtroom because you left the courtroom sort of at a uh, sort of it's not really a cliffhanger but you left it sort of in Chuck's um, I guess as, as Chuck being the focus. On the last one, but we never really concluded what actually happened. So you use the the first act in this one to actually finish up the courthouse and also finish up uh, Rebecca Rebecca's business um, uh, and intercut that. Um, it's not something that we do a whole lot. What what was your thought on intercutting the two of those? I mean, I believe that we were trying to, again, tell a lot of story in a short amount of time because we wanted to wrap up um, the the courtroom scene. Um, and we also, of course, wanted to to wrap up, you know, the Rebecca, you know, the Rebecca arrival and her realization of of why she was she was brought there by Jimmy. So I I believe it was uh, and I think it worked beautifully. But I think it was to try to save some time, is is the short answer. Feels very artfully done. Yeah. It was. Yeah, yeah. It was. It, it 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 turned out beautifully with you know Kim's voiceover yeah. and I I think it worked really well. And we also find out that sort of what 
what Jimmy's verdict, what the verdict was, and what basically what Jimmy has to do, and he's he can't practice law for like a year. That's yes. that's defined right there, isn't it? It's yes, in, it's late. It's in the next act. Is it in the next? It's, it's in the next. I, I had a question about that. It's actually that. in the act. It's it's uh, Jimmy and Kim are, are uh, celebrating, celebrating, celebrating in the act pop the champagne, and so he can't he can't be a lawyer learn. for a year. But and that's, see, but, the, I, oh, but no, I know what you're saying, Chris, and I think mm-hmm. I, I I I'm I'm with you, Chris. I, I what I love about the way you did it is you slid you slid it in there under the radar because because uh, Kim says to Jimmy, so what are you going to do for the next year? But it's not explicitly spelled. It's it's implicitly mm-hmm. explained, but not explicitly. And then and the, then you got to wait, which I like. I like the way you you, you kind of like the way you did that because it makes you feel more like a fly on the wall as a viewer. Mm-hmm. Then then it's only in the later scene, which is one of my favorite scenes, by the way, with with Howard and uh, and the '66 mm-hmm. uh, McAllen. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you about that. I was going to bring that up. And, and your relationship and I, and with fully, Scotch. It's explicitly yeah, it's explicitly explained. There, I, was, and I thought that was very well done. Yes, I was yeah. very. There's a lot of. There's a there's a lot of backstory to that, and I'm going to let you guys go in on, on it. Um, I learned I'm not a drinker. I not that I won't drink, but I'm not much of a drinker, and I'm not a Scotch drinker. Um, and I had no idea how expensive that stuff is. But why don't you one of you guys talk about that box that had to be mm-hmm. made and. And that whole thing, because there is a deal to that. The other nice thing about that, he says it's 35-year-old scotch, which helps remind the audience what year we're in here, you know. Right. Because mm-hmm. uh, right. it's it's obviously a 51-year-old yeah. scotch now. Right. Oh, man. Because yeah, it says, what, 1966? 66. 66. That's, probably, that's probably, in nowadays, it'd be a $2,500 bottle. I, I, Maybe I, more. It was 3000 well, We looked it up. We wasn't? looked okay. it up. I'm just guessing. And wow. it was, yeah, yeah. you know, we were, I think the idea was to look for something incredibly expensive. Yeah. Um, more so than, uh, I mean, we've seen uh, ha- Hamlin uh, bring scotch over yeah. before uh, in, in season two, and this is many levels up from, from that yeah oh yeah it was a this year episode is, wasn't it yes it was yes, it was I wondered in about fact that. two scenes uh in two episodes each one has a scene where hamlin comes over with a bottle of scotch and they drink yeah. Yes. I wondered if that was a, like a signature. Was that like a Cherkis like s- signature? Anne loves, right to, Anne loves to drink. Well, <laughs> I you know it's it's interesting. I I don't love to drink, but my husband loves scotch. Oh yeah, and loves and you know loves whiskey. So I guess it's a bit of an Man homage. Of good taste. To McKellen, 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 was a hundred percent on board. They want yeah. really, really wanted to help us out. But the problem is that that bottle of scotch is so very rare and so expensive that they don't just have empty bottles yeah. or bottles just lying around that they could give us. So, uh, so you would have had ultimately, to buy it. we would have had to buy it, and even that I think is very tricky. It's you know, it's a very rare thing to find. Like mm. they don't, have, they don't, I'm not sure that they even had them just lying around in there. Mark Hansen, our prop master, yeah. did all this amazing work yeah. to get to make this happen with a with an old bottle. So we found a bottle that uh. Uh, I think ultimately it wasn't exactly what is scripted, but was pretty dang close, okay. and we adjusted. Um, and then we had our construction department make a matching box. They made the box. Because oh, the, yeah. all of that and is, I heard is that all McCallum, so valuable and rare. Oh, yeah, I heard that McCallum was like very specific about that box. I mean, yes. this is what Keith Gordon was telling me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it was very specific about wow. that box and it had to... It, they, you had certain guidelines the way it had to be built. Well, and, and it had to have the you know the the way it, you you open it. It has these metal strips. Oh. Um, 
and you know the way that you see in the, in the episode you see Hamlin or you hear Hamlin take take off those metal fasteners I guess is what they are we had and, to work around that in yes. shooting it because we couldn't just do like our, our usual cheat oh. because it wasn't how it's done wow and that's so a good is that story. and so what kind of scotch is it actually inside the bottle tea right tea. no <laughs> no much to much to uh, but it's Michael's a 35 year old tea, tea. <laughs> so it was fermented very, a little very bit very rare yeah. Yeah, yeah. Kombucha. Yes. And how wonderful is Michael McKeon when he Uh, sniffs when he sniffs that tea uh, inside inside that cut glass that cut glass. It's just it's just it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful, what a beautiful scene. scene. I mean, the scene just, it, it, I love Patrick. I, yeah, I love I mean, them both. both of yes. them in but that scene were just Hamlin's gorgeous. a great friend here in this mm-hmm. scene. He's a great friend because yes. not just, yeah, he's he spent bringing, that money as himself. I know. It came right. out of his end. I know, but not, but that's, that's the cherry on top, but he's being mm-hmm. a great friend here because he's, he's, he's given this guy, he really, you know, he really thought about this. He really worked oh. at it to give this guy and he's not going to leave. He's going to sit on the guy's doorstep until he opens the door, and he's going to make sure he's okay. And yeah, you could say, well, he's keeping his number one man. Uh, you know, he's, it's it's good for the the firm that that, that Chuck has his legal acumen and and uh, you know stays in the firm in the fold. But he's being a good friend here. I think I really love this scene. It's a great scene. It does. He's giving some yeah. good advice. I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, and we'll see what Chuck does with it. Mm-hmm. And it's it's an interesting moment when he says Jimmy's just not worth it. And on the one hand, like, no, Jimmy's, our, Jimmy's the whole reason we watch this show. Don't say that. Well, who are you to say that? But on the other hand, from his point of view, I mean, it's excellent advice. And he's right mm-hmm. in, in that context. So it's a very interesting that, – that line sort of has an, its own electricity to it. No, no pun intended. It, it's, it's, <laughs> it is, it's a kind of an electrifying line. Yeah, it's a good line. It and stuck then, with me. And then uh, we had a shot um, – uh, we had the the battery shot where Chuck mm. comes and what a great shot! The, oh my God, that's incredible! Yeah. How many takes did it get to well, get the? Well, I'll tell you, it's actually a visual effects. T- it's a visual effects fixed as well. How how was it fixed? Um, it, it actually uh, the battery. Uh, uh, Chuck Chuck goes to his desk. He takes the um, the tape recorder out. The battery pops out and it rolls. But unfortunately, I think Annie, they stopped it with a magnet, I was told. They stopped uh, it with a, a piece magnet. of sticky tape. Oh, okay. sticky, sticky tape. double-sided yes. but, tape. But yes. it actually rolled back a little bit. Oh. And we, we went to visual effects and they fixed it. They, and they fixed made it, it and it looks stop on perfect. The, on it's the incredible. But, it does. But one of those moments where everybody screamed. It was like, yes! And but, yeah, because like, we only did maybe what? two, three but, takes of it. And But having said that, and I, I wasn't there and you guys were, that's an incredible piece of focus pulling. Oh, yeah. So the focus puller did nail it. The he did yeah. nail it. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, the battery rolled yeah. to the spot you want and then it went just back a little bit. So it rolled back just t- and you know what? Mm-hmm. We even thought about leaving it that way, mm-hmm. and we would have we would have run it that way if we hadn't been able to. Fortunately, we were able to do a very uh, a, a very clever fix that just basically ca- because all all that happened was it just moved slightly one slight notch backwards, uh, as Kelly said. Why is that a problem? I'm missing the point. It what? just looked like it was. It, you could tell something had stopped. Something had physically stopped. Something had stopped. Something had stopped it in in, gotcha. in place, but mm-hmm. it was. Uh, it's it's a it's a remark. It was a remarkable shot even before uh, mm-hmm. before our our, uh, our our effects effects team got to work. It's on. it's one of those shots that you know if you were shooting 
you know, like in school or something, and you got this great and the focus nailed and everything, and just did that, and you're like, ah, and you basically had to live with it. And mm-hmm. being, the, you know, in in a you know pro world where we have money, you know, and yeah. and because and, we were all gonna live with it, I think. We, and then we called Diane in and said, hey, Diane and she's Marcia. like, I don't know, let me check, and and lo and behold, and it looks it looks like it actually did. So a lot of times you'll do a visual effect like that, and it won't look real, oh, but yeah. it looked it filled you. I, I, I did not know there was any. <laughs> visual trickery in it all which is the best kind of shot and frankly a few just a few years ago if we were on you know breaking bad season four uh, or three we probably wouldn't have been able to fix it because it's just the the digital tools have just gotten that much better that focus pull is amazing but doesn't this make michael mckeon the guy who's able to plant something right in front of the camera when he needs to because he also threw the phone out yeah. that's true that's true and and that landed was, there was right no visual effects yeah, to that yeah none at all and that well, was like take minute. two take wait one wait a minute Walter White threw a pizza on the roof and you know no I'm just kidding well, and Bob no visual Odenkirk, effects fix Bob Odenkirk got the frosting on his face in episode <laughs> yeah. Uh, in ep- uh, yeah these guys are pros we work with pros that's the truth and then you know maybe the TV gods are smiling down on us so it would seem yeah, I know we're lucky that way. Yeah, that's true. Um, so uh, now we come to uh, this montage that um, that you guys wanted Bob to do. Tell me how that came about in the writers' room. We needed to convey the fact that Jimmy, part of J- the the PPD uh, that he had to sign, said that he could not. He had to uh, inform all of his clients that like AA. Or something yes. he has to like go he has and to well make amends. make amends. I well in this case he has to just impart the information to all his active clients that he c- cannot practice law. That's part for of a his year. court. Verdict. It's part of yes. Part it of the, is part the, of the document. Having his uh, license is right. Yes. And so we decided it would be fun to show that and to show him because of course we've met you know some of some of these people and i think we also knew it was a great opportunity for bob to you know be funny as as he is and um he did a fantastic job how much of that stuff is written and how much of that stuff is ad-libbed uh it is mostly written with some ad-libs sprinkled in I mean, basically, on on set, he did what was written, and then we went and did a whole bunch of ad libs. And yeah, I mean, we ended up using a, a bunch of them. And he like, was, I mean, not to speak out of turn, but sure. it's like one of the things that was written was it's an agreement I love that, that I came up with the, with the bar. I can't. Yeah. I don't remember. It's, right. it's, it's an agreement. It's an agreement. It's a euphemism that he yeah. uses. But yes. like, like one of the ad libs was, and sorry if I'm getting this wrong. I hope I'm not. One of the ad libs was, "No, no, you stop talking and I'll talk." No, no, can you hear me? That yeah. those were, right. I think, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I think those. That was an ad lib, and and the way, of course, that Kelly brilliantly, You're way too nice. I thank you. Brilliantly cut that. I scene. love this. Beautifully sequence. cut. Beautifully. And added. Francesca also adds a nice. T- I like. I the really love fish Francesca. Face that she makes. Yeah. Tina. Well, and Tina of course, such an asset. the fish, which yes. yeah. you know, added this whole other fun element. And then, it. and then, of course, uh, I think the cherry on top is uh, Dave Porter uh, mm. came up with this wonderful score, mm. this just mm. for uh, for drums only, and that drummer does pretty much everything you can do with a drum kit in the in the course in the course of about ninety seconds. That's cool. It's and he really, basically, it's really I mean, pretty, pretty I wasn't great. there, but he, I, from what I can tell, he kind of scored on the fly, mm. you know, where where you know he watched it and then came up with the the 
uh, fills and riffs and I don't know if you call it riffs on drums, but you know, to come up with it as um, as it af- after we locked basically he oh, wow. scored it for he scored just sort of he scored it those moments. Moments. yeah oh, that's cool yeah. how long did it take to shoot Anna that uh, montage I think it was like eight hours I, I feel mm-hmm. we were as efficient as we could possibly be we did a lot of block shooting um, meaning we we left the camera like you shot several, all the several of stuff the, and stuff yeah and, and shot, yeah, yeah. yeah we left the camera and did a bunch of different takes gotcha. ch- through the changes then moved the camera and did Makes it again well, it's such a really i don't know for me in a weird way this is this this moment and some other stuff that happens later in the episode are such a relief because uh jimmy has been under a certain kind of stress for the first half of the season where he's been you know basically fighting for his life and there hasn't been a lot of chance for uh, Bob to kind of open up his comedy chops mm-hmm. uh, and for Jimmy to, to do do a lot of his fast. We saw a little bit of fast talking here and there. We got to see that great scene that you directed with the uh, uh, with the Air Force captain. Oh, yeah, yeah. But for the most part, uh, Jimmy has been pretty focused not not a not the not the fast talking Saul Goodman-ish slipping character he's slipping Jimmy's yeah. been on a leash uh in some ways and now in this episode uh we get to open that up again and, it, and it's just it's so rewarding for me yeah. Bob uh, had a great time that. he was on a high after yeah, shooting this Bob That's was nice. very excited to do this because I think he also felt just in terms of his character what Peter what you just said and that this was finally he got some some relief and let me ask you, and I swear to God, this is not a smart-ass question. This is a, you could have, instead of doing this enormous montage, which, by the way, I, I love, you could have, instead, you could have opened on on a long list of, of uh, names of old folks and, and panned down it, you know, tilted down it, and everyone's crossed off, and you hear Jimmy in voiceover saying, yes, sir, well, you know, you know, I'm stepping away for a year, blah, blah, blah. Oh, no, it's an agreement. I came. And then you see, okay, goodbye, click. And then you see a hand cross out the very last name. And you could have done it. Why is this better? Well, I think this is better, well, but try to put it, it in a word. Well, it's interesting that you bring that up because I remember uh, there were discussions about um, – various discussions whether it was on set or in post about about that montage and say like what is this montage what is it about and I remember thinking while we were shooting it because I believe we were maybe running late or whatnot and I remember thinking well at the end of the day I mean of course it's fun but it's really exposition and so I thought I kept thinking to myself personally well if we're running long we could cut this you know and I guess in the back of my mind (laughs) <laughs> I, see I was just shaking my head. I think no, no, and I and I'm so glad that we didn't because I think it just adds tremendous texture and again this comic relief. That like you feel I think, every inch of it with him exactly, instead of just oh I'm exactly. so tired. I just called Francesca. Is that the last one? Oh, 94 <laughs> people in 17 exactly, hours. Exactly, exactly. Just wouldn't have had the same. It would right yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it, it it it's just what's so great about this show is that we do get to have those moments of fun. Yeah. And I think that that's. Really really important and I think the viewers love it yeah well, it's, so it's the that don't rob me of the riches yeah kind of thing. it's well like put. if you you really would would rob the the audience of the opportunity to actually to experience it with him yeah, yeah exactly totally exactly right well put That's I'm breaking bad we could have just had him get out and say oh man New Hampshire was cold yeah, exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> that was a long yeah actually we uh, could have just had one 20 minute episode oh you know cooking meth bad idea <laughs> 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 yeah. 
exactly, I so. exactly. But um, no, I mean it's it's a very good point, Vince, and one that I I you know thought about as well. That's those are good but explanations I'm, for it. But yeah. I'm glad. I'm so thrilled that it. Of course, it it, it made it in. It, and it worked and it worked beautifully yeah. well it really it seems like it's launching jimmy into an even more slip in jimmy territory by realizing he almost you know met that he can't run these ads yeah. but he's got all these ads to, to right so that i mean his ingenuity like we've talked about you know every time we talk about jimmy you know him making these meaning to do something for the right reason and it just has the total wrong consequence this seems almost like it's like the reverse of that. Trying to do something, he's trying to do right by Kim. Mm -hmm. And right. he's trying not to lose a bunch of money because he needs mm -hmm. to do that to yeah. go do right by Kim. Yeah. He seems to be setting himself, it seems like it might have dire short-term consequences yeah. for Jimmy. It, yeah. it, it's interesting so much of this episode. This episode starts off and Jimmy's it kind of a great mood. Yeah. He, he thought he was going to get disbarred, possibly, and now he's suspended for a year. And then for the rest of the episode, he's dealing with how crappy it is to even be suspended for a year. He's right. going to have a year. He's going to have a year of this, and and so it kind of, it's it's terrible for Jimmy, but it's great for me because I get to see I get to see Jimmy running, you know, running running the race. Uh, and especially that that scene that, that's coming up yes. in that carpet yes. in that carpet <laughs> where that yes. carpet showroom where Bob is just he 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 is we don't get to see those scenes very often uh, but it, it just it just it's just a complete it's like a perfect little scene look at it's, you look at you it's a perfect little scene uh, and and the, those two the, 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 his two sales victims yeah. are perfect. <laughs> And it just it just plays out just beautiful. Bob just is is absolutely yeah. It's like, just he just hits he hits it out of the park. <laughs> hits it out that, of the park. I love the way you guys end it so much. You want us to have a shoot a commercial in three and a half hours? No, no, no. Yeah. There's all kinds of no. There's post production, post production, color timing, all that bunch of technical I stuff. I wanted Diane to no, laugh when she saw that. Yeah, but we do need to be shooting in fifteen minutes. Yeah, no. It's, he's so it's, calm and he's I so fucked. Yeah. And he's just like, yeah, yeah. So let's do it. Let's yeah, do it. Yeah, I need no, this now. Yeah. And then great. and then he goes out in the parking lot and there's uh, Josh and Julian and Haley. Yes. How great was yes. that seeing oh, them? That's so wonderful. UNM film, film, film students. Mm -hmm. We haven't we mm -hmm. haven't seen them so far this season. We haven't seen them since two oh nine. With I love all three of those guys. Yeah, they're wonderful. I, whose idea was it to have the boom mic sticking out of the window instead of keeping it inside? That's a I love that. Shot. That's a great shot. Yeah, Mike. I don't know. I mean, Keith's maybe. Yeah. That's yeah. a great idea. Yeah, that made me laugh. Well, I think there was also yeah. a practical aspect to it. Like, how were they going to get that in the car? It? I mean, yeah, I yeah. think it was sort of that, and then Keith. Well, those things. There's those actually things a, collapse. They're supposed they to collapse. Yeah. There's, okay. a, there's a picture of a bunch of our office PAs inside of the esteem out, out in front because we did a little mock-up with all of the oh. stuff just shoved in oh the clown and car yeah they in the clown car it's adorable that's it's adorable that's, that's cute yeah that's super you know cute. it's funny too when that car pulls off we, we were watching the dailies um or we were watching the cutscene. My, my assistant taylor and i and we we're looking and i'm like i don't know that something looks wrong about this and we realized that the jack-in-the-box out there had the new logo on it <laughs> And so, and so we pulled it. It doesn't Vince now. Oh, okay. Wow. What attention <laughs> so, to detail. Well, we Jack found, in the Box we restaurant? We Jack in the Box logo, and Taylor um, kind of comped it in. My, my, my Jack in the Box family. I did two Jack in the Box commercials. That's yes, right. Yes, yes. Got to represent them. It's so funny. We put that in in tribute. 
Nice. It's so funny to it. see like you like when I just mentioned that story and you're like, wait, I missed that. And I'm I like, did. no, you didn't miss it. It's not it's we fixed it. Not well. No, but I mean also I, I was looking, I gotta say, I was looking but I love I love the film crew. I love the film the film kids. I was looking at them. This is the back of the car. This is when the car pulls away. I love that oh, shot. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're looking at the boom. The That's what I was yeah, looking yeah. at. Yeah. It's well, so funny. But it was funny. I, I just want to mention, I just mentioned it because no, we were watching it. We're like, wait, something's not quite, there's something wrong. There's something. That's an excellent catch. And then catch. we were looking at the Jack in the Box logo. That's an excellent catch. Every, every time there's a scene with Bob and Haley and Josh and Julian, mm. I'm just always so happy. They bring... The four of them, I feel like every time they do a scene, they get even gets even a little bit better, and they yeah. just there's so much energy to the four. It's it's manic, and of course Josh, each each of them has you know their own take on each scene. It's just you know where Haley is kind of you know she's she's kind of supportive. She's in Jimmy's corner. Uh, Josh is is you know the complete asshole skeptic <laughs> film school kid, yeah. and Julian's Julian's just. Sweet and along for the ride, yeah. wants to be helpful, and it's just and you can they they're all they all have a just, they, you can see it all whether or not they have a lot of lines in each scene yeah. they, they they just bring they bring so much to it. I love that line. Was she she does her line reading? He says, "Aren't you supposed to be the president of the drama club, <laughs> treasurer?" Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. the ride. Josh uh, is uh, the camera guy, mm -hmm. uh, Kid Kubrick. Kid Kubrick. He is nothing like his character. He's he actually isn't. a very nice guy. No, he is. Yeah. He is. In fact, when um, I, I ran into him. I didn't recognize him. I was at the will call table for, at the premiere yeah. for the premiere party, and he was next to me. And I swear to God, I didn't recognize him uh -huh. because I don't know. He didn't have his hair all crazy and and whatever. And he looked uh, sane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Josh is in. Uh, keep everybody keep their your eyes peeled because Josh is uh, in uh, the new Twin Peaks. Oh, and so, uh, yeah. I did not know. I was that. talking to him about working with David Lynch. Oh, that's oh. Cool. Ooh, that is. That sounds great. like. That's going to be cool. Do you guys want to talk at all about the decision or the thought process in Jimmy refocusing his talents into this making of commercials? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, uh, I don't know if it's, he's refocused. I think he's using his talents in a new way. And, and a lot of what we do in the writer's room is just to, it, it sounds, it sounds, it sounds almost stupid, but we just try to think through the logical implications mm -hmm. of each thing. And so I, I think, and tell me if you, mm -hmm. and Vince, tell me if you remember it the same way. I think we were just thinking, okay, he can't be a lawyer anymore. What what does that mean? Well, it's going to be tough to make his half, make his half of the rent. Right. Uh, you know, and also, oh, oh, and we found out, oh, he has to t tell all his clients that he's right. not an attorney at the right. moment. And of course he can't advertise. Oh, he can't advertise. Wait a minute. That's that could be a problem, and nice. it's 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 literally it's thinking that way and just trying to trying to fully imagine uh, the situation the character's in, and of course, uh, Jimmy. We know uh, Jimmy already has got this great touch with uh, with advertising, so it was it was just it seemed really natural for him to for him to uh, to go into that, uh, but, but of course remember. he has this inspiration about. What kind of advertising to do? I'm no, I'm sorry to interrupt. I just it what just rec I just recall that we we spent a long time. We made this whole list of like what else could he do? 
And I remember we had, I mean, for a long time we were talking about, well, he could sell cars. He'd be a great used car salesman. Yeah. I mean, we were talking about, and I'm trying to remember what Double the Double wide mobile homes? Yes. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yes, we were, so we went through this whole list, and I mean, it was at Buy least... Buy one half, get the other half free? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right, that's right. I and it was, it was just, I mean, I think it was at least a day where we just sat here and talked about what else could Jimmy do. And then, you know, we finally landed on what, you know, what I think is the right thing. But um, it was fun. <laughs> it but, was fun but to having imagine said, him. That having said this, he's right now, I'm, tell me if you agree, he's mm -hmm. just solving one specific problem. Exactly. He just needs to un he needs to get his cash back for right. these TV commercials if he can. Well, and it's um, interesting. Like you said, he can't be Jimmy from TV, but he also kind of can't stop being Jimmy from TV in here. Yeah. Like right. He's like, it's he he can't stop himself. Yeah. I like it. I really I like the uh, I like that he had to Boris Karloff it. I love the look that he had in the thing, and I love the way Kim reacted to it. Oh, I'm yeah. super interested to see where that goes because it seemed yeah. like, I mean, she was really into it when they were conning that guy yeah. in uh, in in 201. But I, I had a hard time telling whether she was too into yeah, this or not yeah it's like this guy has a lot of a lot of energy yeah and you know i i'm i'm always interested to see where uh where their relationship is going to go and how cool was it hearing saul goodman oh saul goodman oh, i cheered I, I cheered out by myself yeah. out loud yeah and and i, I yeah it, it 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 made me so excited and yeah. I love the way it's like, I'm going to make you famous, Albuquerque. <laughs> and how how interesting is it on a on a like a psychological level? I've been saying in every interview we've done uh, the last however many months, I always say, you know, I always say it's a tragedy that Jimmy McGill has to turn into Saul Goodman. Mm -hmm. I say that a lot. I mean it every time I say it. And yet here when I heard Saul Goodman, I, I too, I felt like cheering. It was it was in a sound mix. I didn't want to mess everybody else up and try to listen to all the sound, but I felt that way. So why is that? How can you have those two opposing thoughts at the same time? That's yeah, it's a, interesting. That's a good question. I think partly because I didn't. No one's gonna. I, I, I don't know. Folks listening, maybe maybe some of you did see this coming. I didn't. I mean, it's like you don't see it coming. That uh, I wouldn't see it coming. That this is this is how you get to Saul Goodman. Well, and I well, yes, and exactly. And what I love about it is that it's just it's so practical. Yeah. I mean, that's where it, it comes from. It's yeah. just, he just, as you were saying, Peter, he just does what he's got to yeah. do. Necessity and is the mother of invention. Exactly. Right? And so that's how it's, how, the fact that it, that's how it starts, I think, is just, it's just so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. Was it fun shooting this? Uh, how, how long did the commercial take? Oh, right man. Oh, we didn't have enough time. That was, yeah. a, that was a crazy race. That was crazy. Uh, I, I don't know. It looks, it looks great. Yeah, it's it was a wonderful a, commercial. How, Keith I mean, and I think we did it in an hour and a half. What? Wait, wow. I think that's right. Because we spent a lot of time getting the scene, Perfect. the actual scene. We had to move. So we had, right. Had we that whole location for the morning. For the morning. And then we did the, the commercial in the afternoon, I think. Thing. No, no, oh, we moved. No. So we had we shot the scene with them, uh, with the kids arriving and gearing right. up and pulling in and all of that. And the actual commercial itself, we 
I think an hour and a half. Wow. It was a really collaborative. I mean, that's Keith so thought that was one of those situations where the, yeah, the director was like, Keith was thinking, oh, I need more time for this, so how do I do this? And yeah. the thought was, well, let's shoot it like they would shoot it, which is they didn't have any time. They had to whip it out really quickly, so let's treat it that way and do it as fast as that's possible. Awesome. And of yeah. course, we have an amazing crew who can help accommodate that. And then in post, we, uh, Kelly, to set to just to set the tone, uh, Kelly had to cut the whole thing in 45 minutes. And we did this in about 20 minutes. <laughs> really? It was the last thing that I did. Wow. It, we, I was running behind on this episode, and it was delivered to Keith Gordon. An editor's cut was delivered to Keith Gordon the day before Christmas Eve. Oh, was it? Yeah. So it was. It was literally the last thing that I wow. did. Um, and I remember we and we also realized that we didn't have star wipes on our avids. Oh man, we had every other kind of wipe. We didn't have star wipes. So this is why everyone's gone to Final Cut Pro. By we the asked way. no the star wipes. No star wipes. No, no. It's it's funny because um, there there's a there's a special like uh, plugins package that has that sapphire. Yeah, and and we didn't want to pay for that you know so we just figured you know they're it's gonna expensive. they're gonna yeah. yeah i mean it does to a whole lot of other stuff well it's a lot of other stuff a lot of effects but what we had we didn't have the star and not that the star is used very well, yeah. much <laughs> thank and, god and, and, and for what we do for narrative yeah. you know scripted dramatic shows you almost never use any of the stuff in that that filter package. Yeah. But when you're doing something like this, yeah. you need it. And we yeah, also yeah. knew that everything, all of these things were going to be redone in visual effects. Gotcha. So what we did was I just took a diamond wipe and used that instead. And my assistant Taylor, um, I believe that he created an alpha mat of a star in Photoshop and sort of used that to wipe. But what we told these guys was, you know, and meaning these guys, we told uh, Keith, the director, we told Peter when he came in, um, to work on the show, a producer, and I guess, Ann, you were there, mm -hmm. is that um, we can do as many as you want, but we don't have much control over this alpha mat that, that Taylor had done. So if you want more, we'll put in the diamond, and then when, when we redo it in visual effects, they'll, they'll mm -hmm. flip it over. And they did a lot of stuff to it. Like, they put a glow on the star. They put sort of a, like a... Like a, uh, what do you call it, like a border you guys did? You guys did a lot of stuff that we didn't do. I mm -hmm. mean, but we put the letters on there and we put the name and, and you know, my favorite shot in there is the one that shoots up where the tower is coming out of Jimmy's head and the bird <laughs> flies top by. Bird. And the bird flies by. That's awesome. So. I love the line, too. Guy said he'd never seen so many Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he set a record. Yeah, so. Never been done. Never, never, never been done. Never been done. Well, I don't. Awesome. I don't want to end this without really. I mean, there's a whole separate part of this thing that we really should talk about, and it's, um, you know, finding out exactly how this meth is getting up to, uh, mm -hmm. uh, from Mexico in in Gus's truck. How awesome was that shot, by the way? Gave me chills uh, seeing uh, the establishing shot of the Pollos Hermanos truck driving to the poultry farm. Which that doesn't exist which anymore. Does not exist anymore. It got torn down years ago. It was actually torn season four. Uh, the all the uh, all all the coops were torn down. In fact, we shot. I think I shot the last episode where there was even part of a coop up still wow. in season four. And then uh, so we had to reconstitute it digitally. Yeah. Bill Pulaski, our visual effects supervisor, and his team just did did an incredible job of recreating that entire chicken farm and also they added a truck 
because the, the the one truck that goes by camera is a real truck driving on a and dirt road too. Dr- driving that we had picking to picking up dirt. We had to find a road. Uh, we had to find a road that would more or less match. And Bill Bill went to Albuquerque and, and helped helped us find the right one. And right. then so um, good. Yeah. and then so the, uh, we drove the truck by. Uh, but it was driving in the plate that we shot. It just drove down a road, and there was nothing there. And so Bill put the uh, the chicken farm in with a digital matte painting, and then he added uh, another, oh, just which I think is just so terrific, because you look down there, and just when you think, well, is that a special effect? And then another truck goes by, and it also helps, uh, helps I think, cement the fact that this is the world where all the trucks are mm-hmm. so it's it's uh it's that it is a that is a that is a really nice shot and then the music of course takes you right back to uh right back to breaking bad Anna's looking at me quizzically because she hasn't seen this episode yet are <laughs> uh, you gonna be you're gonna be pleased I'm it's excited. wonderful but what also was really fun um was that to shoot that that scene where they're unloading uh that was all on a stage Oh. And uh, it was a lot. It was really interesting to watch yeah, that come for to life. Forty minutes on the down shot. No, wait, wait, wait. Oh, How is that really? possible? Wait, so we had, the, where's the warehouse then? So we did the warehouse and we shot the montage elements at the warehouse, but the actual truck itself, the shots inside of the truck, when because we had to look straight down, okay. we had to build that. So Michael Novotny and his team built us a truck with no top on wow. it These guys. and with faux doors on it that we could open up for a lighting gap wait, that's get just it. flat on the so stage everything's fake but, but, but i don't get Ugh, it because Hollywood. in the same wow. i have the same shots where where the guys are unloading all that stuff and putting it all in the warehouse uh in our, yeah oh we shot both I guess. So we shot, we went to the location first, which is the warehouse. For some reason, I thought it was A and B camera. So you did this, you unloaded this truck twice? Yeah. Yes. Wow. Yes. (laughs) That took like 40 minutes. That's like uh, 40 yeah. minutes. Yes. Yeah. We no, sat was, there and watched, watched them it. do it for 40 We made sure, we didn't, we crazy. also didn't do any, you know, this show we do a lot of tests and trials and we we didn't do that. We didn't have time and wow. we couldn't. So we just hired a bunch of extras or the guys that are in it who came to both locations, asked them to try to remember best they could the order wow. they did and made sure they were all had cargo unloading experience. Wow. It so just said go. Well, you can <laughs> it looks tell. Great. You can so tell you can tell those guys have cargo unloading experience and that that makes it makes a big difference because yeah. they those really look like they, straps, those are they look like they know what they they're are. doing. Yeah. They are. I agree. And I tell you how how much of a badass does Jeremiah look uh, like uh, when he pulls pulls a gun on uh, Nacho. That was awesome. Yeah. That was a, yeah. that's a cool scene. Yeah, that was uh, choreographed really, really well, and yeah. it, it worked out. I mean, I still look at it, and I'm still like, wait, what's going on? Who's pulling what? I mean, and I, you know, it, I wrote it on the page, but then when I saw it being shot, it just yeah. happened so fast. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was wonderful. And yeah. it was great seeing Ray Campbell back, Tyrus, mm-hmm. Tyrus, hearing him yes. get to talk. And yes, uh, yeah, that, that was, was uh, fun. Well, so what about uh, Gus at the laundry? Mm. Gus, well, no, seeing, I mean we talked a little about Lydia seeing, earlier. You know, it's oh, fantastic. Yeah. You know, looking underneath that. Uh, fantastic. That loader, the washer, and yeah, and he says this could work. Yeah, no, that 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 was. And the big wonderful. sign on the outside—that's a visual effect, you know, for mm-hmm. for for sale, I think, or mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. Visual effect, not a sign. Is, yeah, is a, is we didn't have time to make it. I think given the really? schedule, yeah, yeah that's that's, so that's wow. a visual. Or it was windy and we couldn't. There was I think there's several concerns. Yes, yeah. gosh, yeah, I so would have never guessed that. No, yeah. who would? Wow, very I, impressive. I know. So, I know we have to wrap up pretty soon, but well, oh, go ahead. Well, we, were you going to talk about Chuck? Um, no, I was oh, actually going to talk about. This is a big pivotal scene where Hector and 
you know, yes. Uncle Tio is, yes. is asking uh, Nacho to uh, talk to his father about using his father's business as a front. Right. And um, clearly does not want to do that, does not exactly. want to involve his family in this at all. And uh, want and this then, guy to be. And then they get they life. get word that Tuco has beat up some. What did he do? He stabbed somebody in prison, right? Yeah. So he's he's in. And so it kind of throws it, it throws Uncle Tio into a sort of a sort of faux angina. Is that what he's experiencing? Know, or something? Something an episode. Yes, some, some kind of, of episode. Heart yeah. episode. He needs those. He needs those pills. Mm-hmm. Those pills. And we uh, yeah. and we see Nacho kind of have his foot on one of those pills. Yeah, that was a good shot. I love yeah. that shot yeah. where his yeah. boot removes to reveal the, the pill. Well, and that's, yeah. Looks he, like he's he, up to something. He gets an idea. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And it's, then what were you going to say, Chris, about Chuck? Uh, oh, well, as long as we're talking about that real quick, I, I, love how, I love how quiet Nacho is. Like, uh, most of the things he does, he's yeah. doing while observing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and he's... He's really methodical in trying to figure out what his plan is, you know, with some exceptions. But even those are those decisions seem to be made out of quiet deliberation. Like when he goes and beats up Crazy Eight, like it's all quiet. It's all deliberation until he has to, you know, be violent. Yeah. And I uh, I, I really like that about that character. Yeah. And, and, and Michael can really pull it off because yeah. there's like you said earlier, there's just so much going on behind his eyes yeah I, I, I like what you're saying I think he does it, Michael does such a great job with those moments of decision you know mm-hmm. it, it's it's, it's uh, he, he you you can really see the wheels turning behind his eyes and, and it's a I, I think he's Nacho seems to be and uh, you've put Nacho in a real spot here and I, yes. I really I wonder what yes. he, he obviously doesn't like working working for uh, working for the Salamancas has some real downsides Yes, he's beginning to see the, uh, yeah, he, he got he did a, apparently got some sort of promotion, mm-hmm. which we see in the teaser because he's taking Tuco's place. But uh, as the episode goes on, we realize that, uh, it yes, it's not an ideal situation yeah. for him. Yeah. Hector's a terrible boss. That's all I'm going to say. He's, he's, very he's, bad he's very erratic. Yeah. He's very different. He's very different. You know, Gus. Gus in episode four has that great speech to his to his uh, mm-hmm. to all yeah. to all of his his uh, his employees. I, he's a, such an inspirational guy. And Hector, I just think uh, you just don't want you don't you, working for him must be tough because you make a mistake. You know, he could shoot you in the head. Well, yeah. Hector doesn't have great people skills. I think no. that's <laughs> it. You know, I think you're right, and I think we should feel sorry for him more than anything else. Absolutely. You're right. Absolutely. He's, he's the victim. He's, he's the, the real victim. <laughs> Eventually, he's gonna, karma's going to come back. Yeah, he really will One, be the victim two, at some point. Pretty soon. I don't know why you'd say that. <laughs> I don't know why you'd say that. I, actually, I was saying something earlier on another podcast today. It was like, it's like, gee, I don't want to spoil anything for the people who are watching Better Call Saul first who haven't seen Breaking Bad. But, you know, there probably are people. There, I'm sure and there I are. I guess we should endeavor I, not to. I don't know. I, like, I, I, know, I know people yeah. who so do I. Have, I know, have never I know. seen Breaking Bad and they watch Better Call yes, and they I love do. it. This well, is God the wrong them. podcast to listen to <laughs> yeah. because, because yeah. We, we, we move freely between sure. the worlds. Yeah. But yeah. I'd say more power to them. I think if this can be the gateway to getting people to if, first of all, people enjoy this show and only this show of the universe, so be of the universe of the two, so be it. But then, if it could be a gateway drug to get them into Breaking Bad, as totally, well, that would be awesome. I would, I would like that. Um, 
the the one other thing I, I wanted, you know, Chuck kind of going on his little walkabout. Mm. Uh, that I thought oh, that stuff fuck, was. Fuck, we didn't talk about that. that oh, I'm talking about it right now. Oh. <laughs> because <laughs> I, I remember I this I know this came up. <laughs> Damn I know this came up. Uh, we just, we skipped. I was I was trying to go. To, we skipped over it to go to the to Nacho. Yes. But but that's fine. We're oh, we're skipping around. Where we don't have to go in order. Dogs. We're talking about but, it. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, we're talking about it right now. No, I think we should talk about why Kelly forgot to talk about it yeah, until yeah. now. Yeah, let's get into that. Well, um, what, what were you telling me no, about I, this thing was shot at like fifty thousand ISO so, or something? Somebody was saying it was. Yeah, who was? Somebody said that earlier. Nina yeah. said that earlier. And right? they also they, they wanted to tweak, oh, okay. I think. They tweaked the way that it was going to look. Um, they did a bunch of tests, and Marshall wanted it, and, and Keith wanted it to look a certain way with these electrical things just really, really blowing out and stuff. And, and, um, and for some reason, the notes did not come back from the set, so the guys downstairs corrected, and it looked perfect. Uh-huh. It looked perfectly fine. I think Marshall yeah. had a small heart attack when Keith was, I mean, as, 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 um, as much fun and charismatic as he is, he was, you could tell he was very concerned about the fact that that, that it looked like it looked normal and oh, wow. he was like oh no and then uh and then they they he went down they while he was here to it, color I'm time sure. and then peter went down and you guys came up with a look for it i tried to Did, sort of do something in the avid that happens there is, there oh, is, oh is, are we going to tell a star trek story oh tell it oh, we're oh man tell, great minds go ahead tell it all right we ahead. can tell it together so this is just this is a same time there's a famous <laughs> story about the original star trek and uh, they, they, the original Star Trek, the one with William Shatner and Gene Roddenberry's showrunner, the and, Star Trek, and the uh, they they have a scene where they want a uh, they want an actress to be uh, an alien with green skin, and so they shoot they shoot they shoot a test with the, the a makeup test with this lady with green skin, Susan this, Oliver, Susan Oliver, the, the oh, green Orion right. slave girl. All right, you're now you're now you're you're telling it better than I. And then they. Uh, they send it. They send it. They go to the screening room to see how Susan Oliver is going to look as the uh, as the slave girl. And then what do they see? Well, they 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 go to the yeah. Back then, you had to watch the rushes in a screening room, as as you just said. And they watch, and she looks perfectly, perfectly normal skin tone. Uh, just her normal skin tone. What the hell? So they tell they tell the makeup artist, uh, we can make her greener. Use greener, greener, greener makeup. So the makeup artist goes and finds the greenest makeup, mixes up probably the greenest makeup he possibly can. Susan Oliver goes back, back on in the chair. They go, they shoot the test again. They said, okay, now we're going to see what it looks like. They go into the, into the screening room, run the film, end. and and she there's normal skin tone again. What the hell? They're flipping out at this. Gene Roddenberry is flipping out. And yeah. so what they what they realize is they're sending the film. I think it might be. It's to the lab, which is probably either deluxe. It's probably deluxe or one of the one of those. Was it not technical? Oh, no, maybe it was technical. I, I don't know. I don't wherever know. CFI, perhaps wherever it was, or CFI, whatever, whichever one I don't it was. Know where it was yeah. And uh, the color timer is, you know, they, the color timer looks at each, it looks at the negative before deciding uh, how to print it, how to make a work print off the negative. And he looks and says, "Oh my God, this woman's green. <laughs> what are the, what printer lights can I use to fix this?" And so he's, and this is really the same thing happened to us uh, on Better Call Saul, which is that Marshall and the camera crew decided to to really bash the hell out of this digital image. And then downstairs, and they wanted to make sure that everything looked right, so they they took all the all the crazy out of out of uh, out of out of the picture. So it looked when when Kelly looked at it, it just I'm looked like, absolutely what? normal. It looks fine. It here's, just, here's the part about the Star Trek story I don't understand: is if you're gonna 
if you're going to change the color timing that much, yeah. everything else is going to change. So mm -hmm. her teeth are going to suddenly look like, you know. Blue or something. Yeah, yeah. her hair is going to look uh, like some crazy Or the color. background that they shot against would yeah. look something or, else. Or right? maybe you shoot a color chart. Yeah. And what does that look like? Yeah, yeah, anyway, yeah. there's a lot. There's a lot of holes in this story, but it may be apocryphal. Yeah, it may be apocryphal, but I like it. She was a well, hottie though. <laughs> <laughs> Susan Oliver. She was a pilot too. She flew around the world by herself. I think this sounds like this sounds like your ideal woman. I know. I, I did. I know we're wrapping up. I did have one more question about that. That he Chuck runs by a, th a movie theater, mm -hmm. and there's a movie called Bunny Lake is missing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, was it the chemo? He's right. Right. What's the chemo? that? By the chemo, yeah. Is that Bunny a real Lake movie? Is, yeah, that's a real movie. Absolutely. Yes, it is. Peter has a poster, I think, in his office. Uh, I don't, but I. Didn't I, you? I, no, not no, but I. Well, I check it. Check one. again. I'll gladly, I'll gladly just... accept a poster. It's a. It's a. It's a. It's a, it's a movie directed by Otto Preminger, ah. starring Care D'Elia, I believe. And it's. Uh, I remember as a child seeing that poster. And, I, and this shows you what kind of child I was. Oh, there's I was, the story. I remember. I knew I, there was some story. I, as a child, seeing the poster, going, "How can a lake go missing?" <laughs> uh, so, it's, uh, for some reason, it always stayed in my mind. It's a, it's an interesting thriller. It's black and white, shot in London, and uh, we just thought that might be an interesting an interesting film for them to be showing there. Oh, All right, cool. awesome. I like that. <laughs> nice. Well. Well. There it is. Pretty much it. Saul Goodman. <laughs> Saul Goodman. We've got Saul Goodman. This was a good one. Yeah, this is a fun, yeah. epic conversation about about all this stuff. But I, 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 and I think everybody learned a lot about, um, mm -hmm. especially about ADing, because that's, I don't think there's a lot of talk about that, and it's a like absolutely a critical skill. part of, oh, yeah. of of a film production. Believe uh, me, if you took the AD away. It's over. Just try to go without the AD. No, it would be it would be <laughs> the would world's be no biggest clusterfuck. Oh, no. oh my really, god! It really I can't does even take imagine. a very special person to do that yeah. job. Yes. Um, but yeah, thank you, Anne and Anna, for for coming over here and sharing all your stories. Of course. And uh, thank you. Thank Anne, you. And and Peter and Vince, thank as you. always. Oh, thank yeah. you. Sweet and Kelly. Thanks, Chris, for coming over as well. Thanks for you're, having you're me. the only one who gets to see the episodes early. It's, I love you're it. You're not connected to the show, and you get but, special permission. But Chris, this means we all get to come over and do the Narcos podcast. That's right. Oh, Isn't man. It? Yeah, that'd be great. You guys want to do the Narcos podcast? We could just start rolling right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, thanks a lot for listening. We really appreciate it, and uh, we hope you're really enjoying the show. Who else? Who um, this, I, I, I'm drawn. There's so many people to thank. we got to thank Dessa. Absolutely. Dessa, Dessa Larkin Boutte. Dessa Larkin Boutte, thank you very much. Dessa's taking care of us today. And Grant Woolrich. Dessa's my been my assistant for over a year, and she is she is incredible. She's going places. And Kelly and I have known Dessa since uh, we worked with her on season four of The Walking Dead. The Walking so. Dead. And when we found out that Dessa was possibly up for that job, we bombarded you with references. Yeah, with, uh, she's references. awesome. You told no lies. She is awesome. Absolutely. Um, um, but yeah, she's awesome, and she's and she's been here for three straight weeks uh, of this podcast. Uh, we recorded three episodes today, and we are That's loopy. Right. That's true. And who who should do, Anna? Anna. I think Anna. Anna's in the hot seat. Yeah. Uh, can you take us out with your? We we end every podcast with somebody uh, doing their best, kind of Bob Odenkirk, Better Call Saul, like he used to do, and he'd be like, "What As are you going to do?" As Saul Goodman. Give it, give it some razzmatazz. Really sell it. Yeah. Oh God. 
Did I just say Better Call Saul? Commit. Yeah. Just commit <laughs> to it. Wish, say I, it before you say it. it. Now I wish this was a video podcast because that was incredible. Because your face is amazing. Red, yes. Just like someone who's about to throw the shot put in the Olympics or something. Uh, better Call Saul. Yay! Yay!